And we're starting off this week with another Monday Punday. Sometimes it's hard to admit my faults. Like when I was a kid, I absolutely would not tell my mother that I'd just eaten a whole bottle of glue. My lips were sealed. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome, friends, to The Inner Life. Always good to have you with us as we dedicate an hour to growing in our relationship with Jesus with the assistance of some good spiritual direction. I'm your host, Patrick Conley. Admitting our faults, our mistakes, our misdeeds, and yes, our sins can be rather intimidating. It may not be eating a bottle of glue, but be it from fear of vulnerability to a desire to appear more together, more self-controlled than we actually are, fessing up to the wrongs we commit is not something that comes naturally. We'd rather keep those things hidden, out of the public eye and shrouded in darkness. Now, I may have been a little more inclined to admit my wrongdoings to my parents as a kid based on the fact that I was an only child. I mean, when mom or dad found something broken in the house, for instance, I didn't have the luxury of blaming a sibling. But it also helped that my parents were pretty fair when assigning a punishment for something I did wrong. I mean, justice was served, but it was always tempered with mercy. And even in the midst of being punished, I never doubted their love for me. But even then, my natural inclination was often to hide whatever it was that I had done instead of owning up to my bad behavior. And of course, our Lord laid out for us that the path to the kingdom, the path to receiving all the grace and mercy of God, is repentance, which begins with an admission of our guilt. But even with him, all an all good and all merciful and all loving Heavenly Father, we still tend towards the actions of our first parents, hiding not only what we've done, but our very selves from God, as if that were even possible. Today on the show, we're exploring how to become better at owning up to our sins and receiving God's mercy as we explore confessional Catholicism. Joining us for the first time as a spiritual director on the show is Father Anthony Wick. Father Anthony is a Jesuit priest of the Central and Southern Province, where he currently acts as retreat master at White House Jesuit Retreat in St. Louis, Missouri. He also offers spiritual direction at the St. Louis Diocesan Seminary for 20 future priests there, as well as numerous religious in the area. Father Anthony, welcome to The Inner Life. Good morning to you. Thank you very much, Patrick. It's a joy to be with you. Joy to be with you as well. And since this is your first time on the show, Father, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Certainly. I grew up in Oregon, thanks to the advice of a Jesuit to my father, who grew up here in St. Louis, where I am currently. And the Jesuit suggested when dad asked, um, where do you think the best place is to raise a family, father, after mm. trying religious life himself um, and that not working out for my dad, having health problems. And the Jesuit responded, definitely on a farm. So my dad, on that uh, advice, went up to Montana, began working on a ranch, uh, met mom, who was from Glacier National Park. And uh, she didn't know anything about farming either, but was willing to trust this priest and his advice and so they began looking for a farm lease with an option to buy and found what they were looking for in oregon so i grew up on a farm uh, sixth of nine kids so wow yes yeah so amazing yeah i um went through public school and then on to college studied philosophy and mathematics and then um entered the business world thinking i wanted to do that always wanting to get married and uh, began teaching at a small school in Phoenix, Arizona, 
fifth and sixth grade. Love that very much. And the mothers of those kids I was teaching came to me and said, Anthony, if you thought about being a priest, you'd be a great priest. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't like to hear that. That actually upset me, <laughs> although I was nice okay. to them. I said, uh, I was thinking to myself, why does every decent guy have to become a priest? We need good husbands and fathers, which we mm. do. But um, I had a Dominican spiritual director at the time. I said, why does that irritate me so much, Father? He said, well, you're probably not as open as you think you are to God's will. <laughs> wow. So I said, okay, guilty as charged. What should I do? He said, well, you should pray more, go to the sacraments more, and God will give you a sign. And so the sign came in the form of a dear priest friend <clears throat> coming through town, speaking at the school. And then um, I pulled him aside afterwards, and I said, Father, I love my life here, but um, I'm this priesthood idea. Well, I didn't understand the notion of religious life, which is broader than the priesthood. It keeps coming to the fore, and I can't seem to shake it. And he said, do you know about that House of Discernment in Rome, Italy? And I had heard of it, but didn't know anything about it, Casa Baltazar. And uh, he said, I think that'd be the perfect place for you. He kind of pointed at me. So there, mm. there was my sign. Okay. Uh, to begin a, a life of discernment to see if I was called to this life as a religious and eventually as a priest too. So that was the beginning of the end. I love my life now, but I almost missed it because I had plans that I wanted God to bless. All right. Right. Well, I'm I'm sure you're the only one who has ever had anything like that, Father. That uh, <laughs> we I make, bet our I own <laughs> make our own That's plans, make our own plans, and uh, God, please bless this rather than maybe seeking the Lord's will from the out of the gate. Right. Well, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you for being our spiritual director today, talking about this this thing we are calling confessional Catholicism. So, what? How would you define that, Father? What is a confessional attitude? Right. Good question. So. A confessional attitude is this invitation in the Catholic understanding to live within the experience of Christ. It's really an experience of intimacy with Christ who confesses all of our sins to the Father. Christ is constantly carrying more and more the burden of the weight of our guilt on earth. And he wants to confess that all to the Father. And he does that completely on the cross. And you and I are invited to enter into that experience of coming clean early and often before the Father because we're living in the Son. In other words, I take ownership for the fact that I, I've failed in this regard or that, or I haven't acted in love. So our model there is living within the experience of Christ. And as soon as I can take ownership for that, Patrick, and say, oh, I've done this, or I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry for that. We're no longer carrying it on our own chest. We're passing it on to Jesus to let him confess it on the cross. As soon as we mm. confess something, I, I'm sorry I did that. It's no longer I'm carrying it. It separates itself from me. I, the fact that I can acknowledge what I've done, and it, it separates itself from me. And uh, Jesus carries it on the cross in, in fullness, and I can receive this experience of new life from the Lord. So, yes, that happens on a daily basis. And it's, it's brought to fulfillment in a actual sacramental confession. So the Catholic understanding of our of salvation, this, this daily experience of opening up to God, experiencing itself if it grace, means we need to develop an attitude of confession, not just how often you go to confession. Once a month, okay, great. But like, how do you daily practice confession? How do you mm -hmm. daily live out this experience of Jesus before the Father? All right. Right. But yet that's not something that necessarily, as I indicated in the opening there, that it's it's not something that we are kind of inclined to do. I think we're more like, again, going all the way back to our first parents, right? After they 
ate the forbidden fruit, what do they want to do? They wanted to hide themselves from God. That's, that's exactly right, Patrick. Yes, I was naked and I was afraid and so I hid, we read in yeah. Scripture. Huh? Uh, the first parents, they, they recognize their vulnerability before God and they try to cover for that. Mm -hmm. uh, I was naked. I became afraid. I began to doubt your goodness. Oh, Father, Adam and Eve, our first parents, clearly lost trust in the Father. Huh? They let trust die in their hearts, it says in the Catechism. Mm -hmm. And and there was the first, the first blockage, huh? that God isn't really a Father. He's holding something back. He's stingy. I don't know that I can really trust him. And so they were afraid. They put layers of protective, <laughs> protective uh, insulation around their heart that needed to confess. They just needed to confess the, the fault. Instead, they tried to cover and then they tried to blame one another. They tried to talk about circumstances. Well, I, that was, that was her fault. Well, that was the, that was, uh, Satan made me do it. You know, the devil made me do it. So we're, we're passing on guilt now, uh, instead of just coming clean, uh, and returning to a renewed vulnerability, uh, before the Lord to be uh, in the words that uh, John Paul II loves to flesh out, naked without shame. Huh? Like there's a vulnerability, a proper vulnerability before God, being known as I am, as his beloved child, and coming clean as soon as I begin to find places of hiding in myself, which is a, mm -hmm. a form of sin, I open up those places of hiding to our loving God. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Our spiritual director today is Father Anthony Wick, Jesuit priest of the Central and Southern Province, and we are talking today about confessional Catholicism. Are you quick to apologize? Is it difficult for you? How has confessing your sins to God and one another helped you become a better Catholic? Give us a call and join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's our toll-free studio line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Again, 888-914-9149. Or you can send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'd love to get you on the air. Give us a call. So, Father, uh, so many things. I, I love the, that you said um, that... The, the our first parents let trust die in their hearts and that's something that we that it does reveal isn't it when when we are not of this confessional attitude that we're not we're not maybe trusting the lord in a particular way that's correct we make ourselves kind of the center and we want to justify our actions and we talk about the circumstances or well they started this too and so it was only just i just kind of reacted to that it's all a kind of a covering we're we're afraid to really trust the father that he loves us as, as child, precious mm -hmm. child, which is our fundamental identity, a beautiful, beloved, blessed child of God. And so in that, when we make our locus or our center in ourselves, like, where do I stand? Where do I stand? I want to put on a face. I want to, I'm feeling a little insecure because as you know, Patrick, you and I are made for a relationship. And if right. I pull away from relationship with God, I have all kinds of ways that I want to cover for myself. I need to, I'm feeling vulnerable before you. So I need to come up with a justification or I need to put this on you. Or I need to blame you for this tension that we have um, because I'm afraid to really come clean with this and bring the Lord's grace into it. So it's a common, a common truth that when, if I put my center in, in self, I'm always going to need to justify, or it's going to be hard to admit fault. It's going to be hard to, come clean with my part. Um, and it's going to be hard to really love uh, another and to carry. We're also called uh, to 
carry the sins of others and, and bring them to the cross in a certain way. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, let's explore uh, just a couple, at least, of those justifications. And one of the things I think that pops up often in people's lives, my life and others' people's lives, is um, maybe we just don't see the need to confess something, especially if it's either something minor and or it's something that we see a ton of people doing all the time. Yeah, it seems like society does this. Maybe my parents mm-hmm. did this or my teacher, you know, people of authority or influence over my life. Yeah, they they just do this all the time. So it's not really that all that bad. So I probably don't need to bring it to the Lord. What do we what do we say in that kind of a situation, Father? Right. Um, the problem with that is it's all a horizontal view. It's not a full view. It's not a Catholic view, not even a Christian view. In other words, we're not asking how does this affect God's heart? We're asking, how do I compare to others? It's a sociological view. Like, do most people struggle with this? Oh, they do. Well, I guess it's not that bad. If if it, if they sure. use the internet similarly as I do, you know, I guess we're all fallen creatures and we just have to accept that fact. But it's all a horizontal view as opposed to, again, returning to my fundamental relationship being created by and through Trinitarian love. Mm-hmm. And created to love God back in return and created for that to praise reverence and serve God or to know love and serve God in this life and to be with him in the next as we yeah. used to repeat in the Baltimore catechism. Yeah, sure. And so where our perspective Patrick is, is horizontal, like compared to others, I'm not doing so bad. You know, sometimes people will start a confession with father. I haven't killed anyone. <laughs> I'm like, right. Well, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> so they immediately start with a comparison, like to find a little security that I, I, I'm just glad that I'm not like some others or something like that, huh? Mm-hmm. And and we're not looking at God's heart. We're we're um, perhaps overly focused on even a list of sins, even an examination of conscience, which could be of help. But we're instead of how does how do I stand in God's heart? What are the things? What are the ways in which I hide from living within the heart of God? So that's 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 simple simply our, our common way of our point of reference is off when I'm sure. comparing myself to most Catholics, how are they acting? Most religious, most priests, but um, am I doing better than average? <clears throat> That's only a, a human comparison and uh, it's not objective. And frankly, I'm made to be a greater lover than that, uh, more sensitive and, and perceptive of the heart of Christ that's the Marian heart, right at the, the heart of the church, to be more Marian. Mary leads us in a proper confessional attitude to come clean um, to the Lord in everything, to open up every crevice of my life mm-hmm. where I tend to hide to the Lord's loving gaze. That's the that's the generous soul, huh? Uh, yeah. that, that is open to the Lord in magnanimity. That's uh, the, to have a large soul, to be loved on by the Lord. That's the key. And then I want to love the Lord back. And I easily and often come clean with any ways in which I start to put myself at the center uh, in ways in which I'm trying to justify myself in ways in which I, I, um, I call it a Copernican revolution, Patrick. I think we all need a Copernican revolution. In other words, <laughs> we really, we really do believe that the, the sun rises and sets around us. You know, we even say sunrise and sunset. We know that Copernicus helped us realize that no, it's actually the earth rotating and the sun right. is actually stable. But boy, in the spiritual life, I, I don't know a Catholic yet who doesn't struggle with believing in the Copernican revolution, meaning God's in my purview. I have God in my life, but it's my life. And God's in my orbit. I love having Jesus in my orbit, but I'm at the center, you know? 
and I'll, I'll go back to Jesus when I feel like it. And I'm glad he's in my orbit. See, the, the notion is completely off, whereas I'm in his orbit, and I need to attune myself more to the heart of God, to Jesus's heart. Then I truly find myself. But we need the Copernican revolution over and over again. There are just so many ways we slip away from it. I love that. I love that illustration of putting Jesus, putting God where he belongs in the center, that we are orbiting around him, right, rather than him of us uh, yes. or him orbiting around us. I love that, Father. Thank you for that. But one of the things that I think goes hand in hand with this, so I'm doing just as well, if not better than the people that I'm viewing around me, this horizontal perspective like you were just talking about, it, that can go on to affect our relationship with God too, right? Like even when you're suggesting that, there's part of me, I'll be honest, that is is saying, yeah, but God sets these impossible standards. One, you know, who can live up to these things? Where, you know, I, I never, you know, I never have an impure thought. I never uh, take out on somebody my own frustration, my own anger. You know, whatever it might be, right? And and so then we're almost. It's like we turn away from God. But I think that is probably rooted in a misconception of God and His love for us. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for that, Patrick. Thank you for your sharing that vulnerability. Yes, where the natural ends, the supernatural begins. So it's actually a good thing when I'm at the end of my rope. I have nowhere to go but God. Like, I can't seem to stop this thought. I can't seem to stop this temptation. I can't seem to stop falling into gossip, whatever it is, okay? Whatever my my flavor of sin, my flavor of selfishness is. Um, I can't seem to stop it. Well, that's actually a good place to be because God, only God can help me get beyond this point. St. Paul says that, for instance, the law, the law of the Old Testament is meant as a strict pedagogue. Uh, so in other words, a strict teacher who kind of wraps our knuckles to show us that we can't do it. We need the grace of God. We need a relationship with Jesus to live this higher life. We can't do it on our own. It's really good to recognize that. So when you and I have such a hard time not... Um, dissing someone or holding on to negative thoughts of them or judging them or um, whatever addictive tendency we have, whatever drug of choice, we all have drugs of choice. Some of them are yeah. healthy, some of them are unhealthy, but whatever my drug of choice is, and I can't get beyond it, it's like the first step of the 12 steps, right? I have to admit that I'm powerless over this, this addictive tendency. I need God's help. That's a beautiful initial recognition to invite God into those deepest recesses of my being where I just can't seem to to do this on my own. And that's exactly what the Lord would like to hear from us. That means we need his help and we start to open up in a new way into that relationship to allow Jesus to be the strength um, for overcoming whatever I'm I'm struggling with. It's a beautiful invitation. Our spiritual director, again, Father Anthony Wick. Father Anthony has been leading us through uh, the beginnings of our conversation on confessional Catholicism. When was a time that maybe you were at your, the end of your rope? Maybe you're there right now and you have a question about how to proceed in the spiritual life. Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We're heading into our first break, but we're going to be back with more of this important conversation and invitation from our Lord right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at relevantradio.com slash quest.
back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, and I'm hoping that you can join me this coming July when our whole Relevant Radio team will be live in Indianapolis at the National Eucharistic Congress. Relevant Radio is offering easy, family-friendly travel experiences thanks to Nativity Pilgrimage. So let's show up for Jesus together. You can find out more information about travel packages at relevantradio.com encounter. That's relevantradio.com encounter. Well, our spiritual director today, Father Anthony Wick, a Jesuit priest of the Central and Southern Province and retreat master of White House Jesuit Retreat in St. Louis, Missouri. He is leading us through a discussion about confessional Catholicism and um, being ready, always at the ready, to confess our wrongs, our sins, and seeing, receiving then the grace and mercy of God. A couple of follow-up questions uh, in this great discussion so far, Father. Um, what about if I don't necessarily feel sorry for what I've done? That's a good question, Patrick. St. John in his gospel tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. And so if I don't feel sorry, I need to open up that relationship to the Holy Spirit. Like, Lord, please convict me as you would wish. I don't want to feel sorry for something, perhaps because I want to hold on to it. <laughs> I can't imagine perhaps my life without it. But do I desire to see it as God sees it? So I may not initially feel sorry for something or I want to justify it, but it's part of the hiding. If I can even admit that and I have a desire to let go of it. So I, I holding on, on to something uh, for the moment, but allowing the Holy Spirit to convict me that this isn't healthy, that I'm justifying myself. So there's always a reason if I'm holding on to something, I'm afraid to confess it. I don't want to confess it. It's probably because I can't imagine my life without that sin. It's part of how I understand myself. I, I've mm-hmm. identified myself in that uh, negative way. And uh, it's almost unimaginable for me to let go of that. That's my go-to. That's my go-to in certain situations. Or if I'm having a, a down emotion, I need to hold on to that. So it's my little... It's, it's um, yeah, it's something I cling to. It's what Ignatius will call an inordinate attachment that uh, at the first step of the spiritual life is recognizing all those inordinate attachments that I'm clinging to. And, and that's the first step of discernment, recognizing those, asking the Lord for help, using the five forms of prayer, which are the spiritual exercises, to let go of that to which I cling so that I can truly be free in the service of God. If I could at least admit that I'm not truly free, though, I'm not sorry for that sin, let's say, but I can admit that I, I'm trying to hold on to it too. Ask God for the help of yeah. becoming sorry. So I, I don't really feel sorry for that. I, the church says it's wrong, but I really don't feel um, sorry for it. Ask for God's view of it. Get the objective view of it. So I personally don't feel it subjectively, but am I open enough to God to see it as God sees it? That's that's. Uh, do I love God that much? Mm. Yeah, it's a great another great invitation there too. To um, and I, in my experience, because I have prayed a prayer similar to that at least, and my experience, he does answer that prayer. <laughs> he, you know, it, sometimes <laughs> it, it comes over time. Sometimes um, it's not necessarily immediately, but I do start to see. Oh yeah, okay, I understand. I tell you what, Father, let's take a phone call. PD is calling in from Phoenix, Arizona. Do I have your name right, PD? Is that right, PD? Uh, yes. It's close to it. <laughs> okay, close. What is it? Yeah, it's really it's really Piedad, but um, they they call me Petey. That's fine. Uh, I got it. Okay, well, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Do you have a question for Father? Yes, 
I do, Father. Um, when I go to confession, sometimes I feel like I don't get a good confession. What? Not that I don't get a good confession, but when do you know when the Father, when, okay, you as a father and, you know, I would go into confession. How do I know I get a uh, a good response from the Father? Sometimes when I go to confession and, you know, I say my sins, um, I feel like he doesn't respond well to me. Um, he doesn't tell me, like, say, say four Hail Marys or five Our Fathers or um, read a verse in the Bible. You know, that's, I guess I want that, um, and, so, and I just sometimes don't get it. So when do you know when you actually have a good confession? On, on, not on my part, but on, on, on a priest's part. Okay. That's a good question, Piedad. I like your name. It means mercy. And so <laughs> how appropriate is we're talking about uh, confession. So, yes, the, I'm happy to tell you that um, the priest's advice during the confession is not one of the five elements of confession. <laughs> and thus, some priests will be more helpful than others in their response to us in, the con in confession. So you may remember the five elements of confession are we make our examination of conscience. All right, Lord, please inspire me. Please, you show me how I stand within you. In other words, ask the Lord to show you what you need to confess. Then you actually and ask for a sincere purpose of amendment, second element. Okay. Then we actually do the confession of our sins before the priest. And we receive absolution, fourth element, and he gives us a penance. And the penance is just a small sign, Piedad or PD, that um, it's a small sign of what God has taken upon himself. See, when I confess my sins, Jesus carries the weight now on the cross and he confesses it to the Father. And I can see my sins carried by Jesus to, uh, and surrendered over to the Father. And I'm amazed by that. So if the priest offers helpful words, God be praised. If he doesn't, God be praised. It's not one of the five elements of confession. And many of us have had varied experience of helpful words from a priest or no, that's not a sin or sometimes unhelpful words too, where uh, it causes more confusion than anything. Some priests, you know, uh, the, what they offer as a penance might be very small or I'd prefer that he would ask more of me or something. Just do what you're being asked to do. And you're welcome to add something to it if you so wish. But uh, the point is that that's just a small sign of the new life I want to live. I realize that my sins are much bigger than three Hail Marys. Holy crow, there's no comparison. <laughs> but they're also a lot bigger than 16 rosaries. So if the priest said 16 rosaries, you know, it's like that still doesn't compare to all that Christ is bearing for me and how much he desires to carry upon himself the weight of my sin. So... For the priest part, um, we are to listen deeply to what the penitent is saying. We make a judgment there. We give the penance. Most importantly, though, is the absolution, which is a cleansing, which is letting all those sins be carried by Christ on the cross, uh, confessed and totally gone. It's like once we confess them, they become, if you will, like dust <laughs> that the that the the Lord blows away. Huh? Uh, the Lord 
they become like nothing for us. And we're, we're forgiven for even the sins we forgot to confess. That blows me away. I'm so amazed by the gift of confession, sacramental confession, that we're forgiven even for the sins I forgot to confess. That is so amazing because I, I can't imagine that we confess a high percentage of all of our sins. I think there's a lot more uh, than we could even imagine that we're confessing that needs to be confessed, but we're not, we're not uh, aware of it yet. And as we become more holy in the spiritual life, our confessions will be greater and longer. The older you are, the longer your confessions will become, especially because you'll start confessing sins of omission. So all the things I didn't do, how much I don't offer up my sufferings, my knee issues um, for the people in the world, how much I, I don't accept my um, forgetfulness of memory these days, how much I don't offer up. Um, I have more time to pray, but instead I'm just watching more TV. Um, I have more time to listen to a podcast, uh, listen to relevant radio, all these good things, but I don't do that. I, I just kind of uh, sit in my armchair. So is that helpful? You done? It is. Um, yeah, I feel better now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I will, whatever he has me, cause you know, sometimes he, uh, when I go to confession at certain places, you know, uh, different parishes or what so have you, um, they hand me a little piece of paper, and I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? And it doesn't have a prayer; it's just a story. Um, and I feel, and, and sometimes, uh, the, the, where I do go, this certain priest has like an an attitude, like, like he's tired of hearing all these confessions. And I thought maybe just having a bad day. Um, he's tired, you know, I mean, he's older, you know, and, and, you know, he just, he just wants to, uh, shut down and not do confessions for the rest of the day. Um, you know, that sometimes I get that impression, but I'm, I'm going to try not to, uh, uh, take it to heart like that and, you know, and do whatever they tell me, you know, cause I'm there to do my part and God, the Lord knows I, you know, I yes. am there you know, and, and, and to let, do let my me say a couple more things. Let me say a couple more things there, Pieta. One is when I go to confession and I go regularly and I have always plenty to say, I am always talking to the father. I always go right away to the father and start talking. It's not, I'm not going to the priest. He's listening in on that conversation. The conversation is really between me and God and the absolution will come from God through the priest to me. Okay. So Keep that in mind. You're you're going before God Almighty. Now, Jesus tells us that the direct way to the heart of the Father is through a priest. Because in the prodigal son parable, he, he says that uh, the son who finally comes back to his senses, who represents all of us, comes back to the Father and says he realizes a double effect of his sin. Father, I have sinned against God, vertical, and against you, horizontal. So when we go to confession, we need to come before the church also and confess our sins. So we have to, not just to God, like the Protestants do, I'm sorry, Lord, for what I just did, but we need to come before a representative of the church. That's the priest. Because our sins affect not only our relationship with God, but they cause negative ripples. Insofar as Father Anthony sins, he causes negative ripples in the church. And insofar as Father Anthony does good things, good works, and is virtuous, that he causes positive ripples in the church. But I have to take ownership for the negative ripples in front of someone who's listening in on that conversation. So the priest, he may be tired, he may be a little cross, he may be a little grumpy, he may be a little um, dismissive or um, not even saying a word back, but just like, okay, three Hail Marys. That's okay. The thing is, you're receiving absolution from God and new life. So 
worry not in the least and really try hard not to worry about how the priest is perceiving you. That will get us off track from the actual moment of confession where we're confessing our sins to the Father. Mm. Piedad, thank you so much for the call and great question. Good conversation. Thank you for opening up about that. And uh, yeah, Father, it, her experience is, is probably true for many Catholics that they've had very different experiences in the confessional. But my question for you is, what role does the sacrament of reconciliation play in this whole idea of being a confessional Catholic? Yes, it's a critical moment where we are coming clean in every way we possibly can. Uh, to the Father of taking ownership for my part in the objective nature of sin. But there's a joy in it also. There's a joy in it. There's a joy in this confessional attitude. It's not like, woe is me, because I'm going to confession to please the heart of the Father. Mm. Therese of Lisieux, at the end of her life, uh, one of her sisters and one of her Carmelite sisters pointed out a fault she saw in, in Therese. We don't know what the fault is. It doesn't come out, but maybe it was impatience. Who knows? But um, And Therese's response to that sister is not, well, well, that's not a fault. You misinterpreted me. Or it's not, well, you have faults too, sister, like most of us would tend to perhaps do. Mm-hmm. The answer is, oh, how happy I am to see myself imperfect, even at the moment of my death. And what she's she's saying is, I love Jesus. He's the good shepherd. And I, his greatest joy is to rescue his sheep. And so thank you, sister, for pointing out that nodule in my heart that's not surrendered to Jesus. I want my entire heart surrendered to Jesus. So thank you for pointing out that nodule. I'm going to invite the good shepherd to come rescue me and to, to make that little part of stone into a heart of flesh. So thank you for that. He loves to come rescue me. So thank you for pointing out that fault. That's the, that's the, where, as we experience that in confession, we remember how we're pleasing God. And if it, if it's helpful to think within Jesus and him rescuing us, like the good shepherd rescuing sheep, the lost sheep, we need to bleat out our need. Uh, it pleases his heart so much. So it's, it's a matter of um, intent. It's a matter of focus. If we're focused on the heart of Jesus, if we're easily coming clean before the heart of the Father, um, that will help so much in that in that experience of also if I'm I develop what um, what the saints call is kind of a big word here but concomitant awareness so an awareness of God's presence at all time concomitant awareness and so if I am regularly going to sacramental confession what a tremendous grace for Catholics we are so blessed it's the it's the first gift that Jesus gives the resurrected Jesus gives to his church. He's so excited to give him this gift. Peace be with you, he said. Whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven them, <laughs> he tells his apostles. He's so excited to give them that gift of confession, uh, the sacrament of confession. And uh, that's that's affected after the resurrection, as you and I know. It's brought into being completely, <clears throat> although there's so many confessional moments uh, throughout his ministry. And so it's his greatest joy to give us this gift. And knowing myself in front of God in confession, I can now, even between confessions, experience this gaze of the Father, this merciful gaze of the Father coming through his Son. Sometimes it's helpful to pray a divine mercy chaplet. I invite you to, to and sometimes if it's um, on uh, deeper confessions, I may give that as a penance, a, a divine mercy chaplet, but I invite people to pray it experientially, where imagine yourself at the foot of the cross and the blood of Christ is actually washing over you, the merciful blood of Christ. So don't pray at a distance. 
for the sake of his sorrowful passion, Father, uh, for the sake of your son's sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. But he's having mercy. Make it a Jaren. Make it hit a, a live experience where he's having mercy on me and on the whole, through me to the whole world. Mm. Does that make sense? So it's it's yeah. like a an experiential uh, prayer of him having mercy. And why do I want him to pour his merciful blood over me? Because it's cleansing blood and it's also in the blood is life. The Jewish people understood this so deeply that in the blood is life. And God wants to pour his blood out over us. And that's what mm. our Lord tells St. Faustina Kowalska in the Divine Mercy uh, Revelations, that it's his greatest joy to pour himself out upon us, his precious blood, because it renews and restores us and gives us his life. And we're now living from his life. It's all part of living in that mystery again of the confessional attitude of the Catholic. Another great invitation from our spiritual director, Father Anthony Wick. And we are talking about confessional Catholicism being ever ready to confess our wrongdoings, our sins to the Lord, and and at times, and of course, regularly in the Sacrament of Reconciliation, but also I love the picture of the Divine Mercy Chaplet and praying it in such a way of being at the foot of the cross and letting the blood of Christ wash over us. Of course, just a reminder to our listeners that you can always join Drew Mariani at 3 p.m. Central for the live stream Divine Mercy Chaplet as well. Please do that right here on Relevant Radio. We are continuing our conversation on confessional Catholicism, and I think we will take our next break, but if you have ways in which you are constantly aware of the Lord's presence and turning yourself over to Him, or perhaps you need some advice about how to do that in a situation you're currently facing, give us a call and join the conversation. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We'll be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com quest. Back to the inner life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Kindly. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, and Thomas Engeser taking your phone calls today. Our spiritual director today is Father Anthony Wick, Jesuit priest in the Central and Southern Province. I'll get it out there. He also offers spiritual direction at the St. Louis Diocesan Seminary for 20 future priests there, as well as numerous religious in the area. We're talking about confessional Catholicism. When was a time where you were in need of? Yeah, the Lord's cleansing mercy. And how do you turn to him regularly with confessing the sins that you commit and omit, either in the sacrament of reconciliation or just on your day-to-day, going about your day and recognizing I've done something wrong? Give us a call and join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Father, I wanted to turn to something that you mentioned in response to Petey there uh, in her call, specifically that our sins obviously have an effect on those around us as well. And I think one of the things that uh, is drawn into this whole attitude of being a confessional Catholic is taking on board that we are sinners and so are people around us, and maybe that's something we need to explore as well. Any thoughts on that as we start down that path? Yes, uh, yes. So it, I can cause these negative effects and these negative ripples uh, through my sin, but I can always also cause positive ripples in the church. And one of the most important things in in terms of causing positive ripples, it's a little paradoxical what I'm about to say, but you'll 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 understand it. Okay. We need to confess the sins of others. <laughs> and mm. what that means is we need to confess our common denominators with the sins of the world. 
Catholics are called to be the great confessors of the sin of the world. We're connected with that sin. Uh, in the break, there was a there was a a call for many memoraries to end this scourge of horrible abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, very well done. But I want to say there's a connection that we have with that. When I first arrived here in St. Louis, I'm going to tell you a story. Um, um, Bishop Carlson, Archbishop Carlson, had just uh, built this. Uh, he had bought this property right next to the Planned Parenthood in Missouri. We no longer have abortion clinics, praise be to God. And uh, thanks to the Supreme Court decision, so to pray before an abortion clinic, I have to go across the river to Illinois, which I did last night. But anyway, um, and um, so he, next to this big Planned Parenthood where they do uh, surgical abortions, the only place in, in Missouri that does that, kind of, but he bought this home and put Franciscan sisters in there and the Blessed Sacrament in there because he knows it's a spiritual battle. This, this yeah. abortion is a spiritual battle. Our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, Ephesians six twelve. And so I thought that was genius. So yeah. I I went there at one of the earlier masses, and I was like, okay, I'm going to offer mass. All these pro-lifers and, and sidewalk counselors are there at the mass. And I decided to offer mass for the forgiveness of sins. <clears throat> I thought that was appropriate since we're next to an abortuary. And being a good Jesuit, I wasn't well-trained in the liturgy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't realize what I was praying. So as I'm praying the presidential prayers, which are the prayers of the of the, of the the Mass, all of the prayers are about my sins. They're about my sins, Patrick, not, not about the sins of the world. And mm. so I changed my homily, and I began to say, you know, between that abortuary, uh, that abortuary there um, and us, there are some connections. I said, this is the full flowering over there of selfishness. huh? We know what's going on in the abortuary. I don't need to talk about that. But I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, that there are weeds. That, that's the full fruit of those horrible weeds that are so horrible. Um, but there are runners to those weeds that go up underneath the parking lot to where we are today. Yeah. And so I'm proposing to you, dear brothers and sisters, that that is the full flowering of this is my body. This is my choice. Hmm? The opposite words, of course, we know are Jesus's words. This is my body given up for you. But I said, we all struggle with this is my body. This is my choice. We have ways in which I also like I can I can um, look at other people in a sexual way. I can give some occasions for this or that. This is my body. I'll do what I want um, with my body. And I, I give myself license in certain sensual ways uh, to please myself, whether through the eyes or other ways. And I said, if we would, uh, those are the same runners that um, if we would like confess that and and start working on the ways in which you and I use our body in a little bit selfish way, I'm telling you that would those the runner that goes all the way over to the, the abortuary, we would turn that into a fuse that would spiritually blow up that place. Huh? Mm. Um, so we have an ability to confess the sins of others. So in other words, like parents, my kids aren't going to mass anymore on Sundays. Like that's a real horrible uh, pain that is so common. All right. Where does the apple not fall far from the tree? So they're, they're making a major decision to, to break away from the church. But where do I sometimes think I know better and confess that? Make sure you confess the common denominators you have with your kids hmm? or your loved ones. 
um, where when I see uh, warlike behaviors or even literally war, where am I kind of edgy? Where do, where do I uh, hold on to tensions and, and rifes and, and struggles and need to have the last word or whatnot? Make sure you're confessing the sins you see in others. Like St. Ignatius will say, let the sins you see in others be a model in which, um, be a mirror in which you see them reflected in yourself. Huh? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, is there any way in which I can relate to that? Saying, well, make sure you confess that because not only will I be forgiven, but anybody connected with me can be forgiven. In other words, we Catholics, for instance, receiving this amazing grace of, of sacramental confession ought to be confessing the warlike attitudes we have <laughs> that, that, that bring about this war because it'll, it'll help end the wars. It'll help end abortion. Um, if we would but confess our little ways of, um, little and big, but anyway, um, of being selfish with the body, like God will not just forgive us, but he'll give this cleansing grace to his whole church. You see, we're, we're, we're entering into that Marian confession, marry yourself at the foot of the cross is saying yes to this, this total self gift of, of her son. She's, she's entering into this sacramental, uh, experience of surrendering everything. So, um, to the father's plan as, as great suffering as that brings to her. Mm-hmm. And so you and I can, as church confess the sins of others insofar as we're connected to them, so whether they be, um, avarice, sloth, pride, lust, envy, gluttony, whatever they be, like we, we have an ability to bring God's healing grace and mercy to the entire church by confessing it. Does that make sense? Is that? Yeah. Clear? Yeah. I think so. And I think another thing it does too, is it, it builds those bonds of communion, right? And, and doesn't, doesn't foster this attitude of, well, at least I'm doing better than this person is. We talked about that earlier in the show, but it, it <laughs> well, says that, hey, you know, we're we're right in the same boat here, whether we like it or not. Yeah, some people may be closer to the prow and some closer to the stern, but uh, we're all in the same boat as we're going Absolutely. that way as sinners. It takes me, Father, to, um, I remember just years ago, I was studying this in, in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, where he prays, may your ears be attentive and your eyes open to the to hear the prayer that I, your servant, now offer in your presence day and night for your servants, the Israelites, confessing the sins we have committed against you, I and Yay. my ancestral house included. And he goes on to, I mean, to pray and confess on behalf of not just himself, but the whole nation as well. And so, well, yeah, yeah, it's great, good stuff. Great quote, I'll tell you what, Father, let's quote. see. Yeah. Let's see if we can uh, squeeze in one more phone call. Tony yes. has been waiting patiently in Los Angeles. Tony, welcome to The Inner Life. We only have a couple minutes left. It's okay. Thank you, man. Um, confession in my life has been uh, it's the ultimate love of Christ. I took it for granted for a long time when I was younger and just sin and keep going. And uh, it's unbelievable how close you actually get to God and the church and your fellow man when you're standing in line with each other and and um, getting nervous because you think you're not going to make it. But um, God's love is way bigger than that, and it's changed my life, and it's actually kept me alive. There's times in my life where I just felt like giving up, and it was from being selfish and sinful. I'm still sinful and selfish, and um, uh, it's just unbelievable what it's done for me. And uh, being honest when you go in there and not smoothing things over and just telling the truth about what what you're doing wrong and um regardless of what how the priest answers you it's uh you're speaking to christ personally and uh communion is so much greater when you uh go to confession you just feel like you're you're whole with yourself and 
you look at yourself really hard when you um, go to confession. When you get home, actually, I get a kind of long face because I, I realize what I done wrong. And um, mm. yeah, thank you, Tony. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna jump in at this point yeah, just no to problem. let Father respond. Yeah, thank you for the call, though, Father. What would you say to Tony? Tony, excellent. You're you're living the attitude of confession. You're experiencing it. You are so connected, as you say, with the church and with the Lord and bringing God's merciful grace into the world. Um, Saint, uh, our Lord tells St. Faustina Kowalska that the greatest pain for him is these rays of divine mercy are, are clamoring to be spent. They're burning up inside of him. And people need to ask for his mercy. And so Catholics who ask for his mercy in sacramental confession are pleasing his heart. And he's pouring forth rays of his mercy. It pleases his heart to feel that flow of mercy, like the, the flow of mercy coming towards the, the, the hemorrhaging woman, right? It pleases his heart so much to have those fl flames of mercy flowing out from his heart to purify you and me and his entire church. So, yes, we are very much united with the church and with the merciful uh, blood of Christ. One of the things that strikes me, Tony, about what you said, and, and Father, just to reflect a little bit on that, is that, you know, even when you're at the end of your rope, when you feel like giving up, when you feel like, yeah, it's this whole thing, this whole life isn't isn't worth it anymore, that the sacrament is actually there to give the very thing that Jesus came to bring, right? Which was that abundant abundance of life, of mercy, of grace, of healing, of peace. All these things poured out upon us in this great sacrament, which again is something that we can carry, as you're saying, Father, attitudinally with us throughout each and every moment of each and every day. Yes, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. Mm. And that would be his life that he's going to pour into us. We confess what's not of him and he fills us with himself. What an amazing God we have. Mm, amen to that. And just a quick glance at a nearby crucifix will, will right, should go a long way in convincing us all of that. Right? <laughs> amen. Yeah. Amen. amen to that. We have both sin and mercy completely. Um, yes, completely yeah. perfectly represented. Amen. Yeah. Well, Father Anthony Wick has been our spiritual director today. And Father, thank you. It's been a great conversation. We'll have you back on the show very soon. Thank you so much for being our spiritual director here on The Inner Life, talking about confessional Catholicism. We always like to end the show, Father, with a blessing from our spiritual director. So may we ask you to do that for us now, please? Certainly, certainly. May the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, Jesus our Lord, equip you with all that is good that you may do his will. May he carry out in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you all and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Well, again, if you uh, would like to listen to some portions of this program again, which I'm sure I would, just go over to relevantradio.com slash inner life. You can find it there and share it with others. Tomorrow on the show, you don't want to miss it. Scripture and the Eucharist with our special spiritual director, Bishop Andrew Cousins of the Diocese of Crookston, Minnesota, and leader of the National Eucharistic Revival. Make sure you tune in for that. We'd, be lo we'd love to have you on the program. So until then, friends, grace and peace. <laughs>